Hello and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video games podcast. My name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. I almost was considering starting this one with like, hey gamers, what's up? It's me, Flip. No. But- <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Flip. Okay, if your name is Flip, can I, can I be Scratch? Yeah, you can be Scratch. I don't know okay, Flip and Scratch. That's our... Uh- Flip and Scratch is the name of the podcast too, right? In that case... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Top 10 things I love about Tekken 2. (laughs) That's actually on brand for us. I'm not that different from Scratch, it seems like. Um, (laughs) The Xbox 360 is coming out next week. Here's all the hits. Scratch Scratch is just me, but with a backwards cap um, and jeans with one leg rolled up, kind of like Titus from Mm. Final Fantasy X. It's like one short, one long. And wheelies constantly. It's a good look. It'll come back eventually, right? I mean, we we went through the 80s revival. I feel like we're almost done with the 90s revival. I just saw Charlie XCX, the pop star, released a, a song called 1999. And the cover art was like very like uh, Backstreet Boys Millennium. Oh, interesting. I, I do think, though, that the term 90s kind of means like 1995 to 2004. Like, I feel like yeah. you still like... All the decades of like what's associated with them are often like not the exact 10 years. Right. Yeah. That's why I love uh, I think Freaks and Geeks is set in 1980. So you get a lot of 70s like, you know, disco is still there, but it's dying. Yeah. Thing. I think uh, Stranger Things has that as well. A little bit. Actually, not as much. That's just very 80s. What am I thinking? Anyway. Games games uh scratch has died he's dead scratch, uh, and we're scratch back. died flip is around he's just sad so he's not going to be on the podcast anymore <laughs> what a tragic end to a fake show um, <laughs> well it is spooky season that's true and speaking of spooky season we are going to continue our our spooky segment where we talk about a halloween-esque game that we both really like or that one of us likes I am going to bring to the table a game that I really love called Oxenfree. And I am going to allow Steven to convince me to buy this video game for the <laughs> Nintendo Switch so I can play it on the train. Yeah, it's also, I think it's on everything. It's even on mobile, which I didn't know Oh, for real? Recently. Maybe I'll just yeah. get it on mobile. I would much rather do that. Because I told a friend about it and they were like, I just downloaded it on my phone. I was like, I didn't know that was an option, but sick. I am very excited to look up Oxenfree on mobile and find out that it's like a completely different thing. Like your friend downloaded like <laughs> some kind of like dragon romancing game. Like I, I guess I guess this is what Steven's into now. Yeah, I mean, why not live a little? So Oxenfree is definitely in the same realm as Stranger Things. Um, and also last week we talked about Night in the Woods and it's in the same kind of genre of like teen angst intertwined with the supernatural. But whereas Night in the Woods, I would say, is like 99% teen angst until the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, Oxenfree is a lot more paranormal. Um, you do get a lot of like coming of age stuff, but it's from the get go pretty spooky. So the plot is essentially you play as Alex, who is a teenage girl who recently lost her older brother. And since then, the other characters around her have noticed like a change in behavior. And she goes to an island with her friend, Ren, who is very extroverted and goofy, and her new stepbrother, Jonas. Good. I like all these who, who names she, a lot. They're really good names. And accompanying them is Clarissa, who is her brother's girlfriend. They were dating when he was alive. And she's like very, she has a very like strong wall built in front of her. Mm-hmm. She's like not happy to be there at all. I feel like that's a bold um, move naming a character Clarissa. 
<laughs> yeah, it really. Is. I'm so like any. I I have not heard Clarissa outside of Clarissa explains it all ever in my whole life. The fact that yeah, someone else so. was like, "Let me grab that." I guess so. It's a great name, and it's also the strength of the show that they were like, "This is the canon Clarissa. Everything else is fan fiction." Yeah, I like that. This is becoming the names episode by accident. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, like, they're good. I actually made an effort because I I hadn't played it recently, but I want to talk about it because it's it's. A game I really love, um, and I had to refresh all the names, and I was like, "These are great." Yeah. The last name, last but not least, is Nona, who is kind of a shy girl that Ren is trying to pursue. So the trip to the island, if memory serves, is kind of like a ruse for like them to get together. Yeah. But it's like not really working, and depending on your actions, that can either work out or not, which is kind of fun. Oh, that's good. It was developed. The game was developed by Night School Studio. They. I think we're founded or at least co-founded by someone who used to work at Telltale. So yeah, basically the central mechanic of the game is choosing dialogue. And the thing that this game does that I think I've only seen like moments of Telltale and Witcher 3 do is that every dialogue choice is timed. Oh, I love that. And the time varies wildly. So if it's like, you know, in the beginning, you all kind of just sit by the beach by a fireplace and are just like. You can literally just have Alex like throw like stones into the water or like kick a can yeah. for a bit. And like during that, the dialogue is very, very slow. Um, but all your dialogue has very important repercussions that you don't really know until you play the whole game. Mm-hmm. And then there are some where like it's very, very qu- quick. And then there are some where, I mean, it's not a spoiler, it's how the game begins. But basically, uh, you're given this radio because on the island is like an old radio station. You play around with the radio in this cave and it opens a strange like dimensional prism that starts fucking with time, basically. Cool. So there are a lot of segments where like time keeps looping. But there's one moment with your stepbrother Jonas where like you're talking and then it like almost like an old VHS like rewinds and the music is kind of atonal and then it starts again. And you have to figure out like how to address time and like how to prevent it from looping like that. Um, and also ghosts mess with you. So ghosts start possessing your friends and like they'll ask you weird things and the dialogue will be like upside down. And you have to choose like it's really, really that's cool. awesome. And I mean, the game is just I, I really like games like that where it's very character centric and dialogue centric. But whereas Night in the Woods uh, has the dialogue that's like, you know, super engaging, really great writing. But the game is kind of kept separate from the dialogue. You had these like little moments of gameplay that are like peppered throughout the majority of the game being dialogue. Yeah. Oxenfree makes the game dialogue, which is really fun. You know, like all of a sudden there are puzzles and situations that you have to use dialogue to overcome. And the only other thing you're given is the radio, which if you dial to a certain frequency, you can either like solve puzzles or you could even tap into secrets and like gain more lore about the island and it's just it's just really well done i can't recommend it enough it's not super like graphic or anything if if you're like on the fence about horror it's just like it's just scary yeah um, but you walk away really loving the characters and the the endings vary wildly depending on your actions which is really cool is it spooky or is it scary? Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Uh, actually, you know what? I want you to define this. This is we're on the same page. I feel How would you I f- define? I feel like spooky is like I'm watching Goosebumps. Mm. And scary is like I'm watching, I don't know, Hereditary. Or like It Follows. It's, it's definitely closer to scary then. Wow. It's, that's interesting. Yeah. It's not... 
it's it's scary in the same way Stranger Things is. Like the stakes are high and the the supernatural threat is scary and you yeah. often don't see it, but like you're you're more invested because you care about the characters. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like a lot of horror movies, like you're there for the event and like for the spectacle. Right. This one you you care about. I mean, you see that in horror movies too, but Yeah. I feel like the best horror movies are the ones where you care more oh, about absolutely. the characters than anything yeah, else. Yeah, like like Get Out or um I'm sure there are other examples. I'm not that well versed in horror, but Get Out's a movie where like you are yeah. super invested in the characters. The thing I always say, I might have heard this somewhere and maybe I'm just parroting it, but the thing I usually talk about when I talk about horror is like I love horror movies where you could take out the horror elements and it's still a good movie. Like I oh, think yeah. The Shining is a great example of that where it's like you could remove all the supernatural stuff and it's a movie about like a guy like not handling his life very well. You know, mm-hmm. and kind of just like having this downward spiral. I think you ever see Sinister with Ethan? No, Mock? I haven't. Another like great movie that's just like a family drama that just happens to have horror stuff happening. Um, yeah, and it just I, comes out the other end being a good movie. And I would apply that test to Oxenfree and I think it would pass wonderfully because at the end of the day, uh, like Night in the Woods, this is a group of young people that are about to go to college and they're at a huge turning point in their lives and they are stuck focusing on the past when they're just trying to move forward. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't beat you over the head with that theme, but like it's super apparent as you're playing it. And the really eerie thing is that sometimes time loops back to like moments ago, and sometimes it loops back to when your brother was still alive and you have these scenes with your brother. Mm. And depending on your dialogue with him in those scenes, the ending can be very, very different. That's all I'll say. That's interesting. Um, and I like I I played it pretty organically the first time just to say like what I would do, like, you know, first run through. And I was pretty happy with the ending I got for the most part. But then I looked up what the other endings are and I was like, I can't believe that that is possible. Mm. <laughs> um, and what's cool, too, is that like in Telltale, once you beat the game, it shows you what percentage of other players did what you did. Oh, I love that. And cool. I think they keep some of the other options a mystery. So to say, like, you know, it will show you like a pie chart and it'll be like X percent did this. And then the other parts of the pie chart aren't labeled. So you're like, oh, there's like five other scenarios that could happen wow that's cool and on top of all that it, the art is beautiful beautiful it's watercolors in the background yeah, and the character design game. is really cool yeah and the music is great which is something i always point out because <laughs> i i just like game music but yeah i can't recommend it enough it it it's also a game that's that maybe isn't for everyone if you if you need a bit more action but i think that the payoff is wonderful and i think that um like i said earlier it uses dialogue as gameplay. Yeah. Um, which I think is like a great and really ingenious way to make a story based game a bit more engaging on a gameplay level. Let me ask you a question, because last week and I don't want to spoil it again because we hid this stuff behind a spoiler tag last yeah. week. But last week we talked a lot about Night in the Woods and how the supernatural element kind of took us out of the game. Uh huh. Why do you think it works in Oxenfree and didn't work as well for us in Night in the Woods? Yeah, I was thinking about that. <clears throat> and I think. I think in both cases, the supernatural element makes thematic sense. Um, Mm. You know, I think in both cases, the supernatural element is rooted in the idea of like being afraid of change, being afraid of like moving on. Yeah. uh, Which is really interesting. I think it works in Oxenfree because it's more strongly introduced earlier. Mm. And that's really the crux of the game. Like the plot of the game, even though you get the backstory of a lot of the characters throughout the driving force of the game is there are ghosts on the, on this island. We have to get off the island. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the a plot and everything else comes 
alongside that. And Night in the Woods, the A plot is I'm home and hanging out with my friends for like most of the game. Yeah. So then when it suddenly shifts to Supernatural being the focus, that's where it feels like a bit of a left turn. Right. Instead of it being a, whoa, this is happening now, it's an, oh, this is happening now kind of situation. Yeah, exactly. And I think that while Night in the Woods does gradually introduce it with the dreams, like we said, it, it I think it would have been more strongly executed and still in the same vision of the game if the supernatural element stayed as a subsidiary element and not became the focus. Right. So I think that Oxenfree works for me in that way because it, the pacing is better with the supernatural stuff and it is the focus the whole time, which which pays off. Yeah, that sounds very good. Um, I also looked this up. So it's $20 on Switch right now. I don't know what the price oh, cool. is on other platforms but it's five dollars on ios at the moment so i will oh, wow. absolutely be getting it and playing it on the train uh this week yeah I, this is also a game that could totally work on your phone because like it's just clicking dialogue so you might even have some easier time with things being upside down because you can just flip your phone <laughs> yeah just put like just lock the screen is uh is there any movement at all or is it really all just dialogue options is like is oh that the, that's the other thing all the interaction I, there actually is a pretty strong exploratory element. Um, so you can kind of you you're given a destination, but you can backtrack and go to different parts of the island of your own free will for most of the game. And that's where you can find some cool. like extra stuff. So you are walking around and that's where like you have a lot of like side banter with the characters as you walk. And mm-hmm. there are some moments where you can choose who you go with. So kind of like Night in the Woods, you can choose which of the friends you're spending time with. Mm. And there are even some parts where like characters will have an opinion of who you take there was one moment where i took someone and everyone was upset about it including the person (laughs) (laughs) like uh jonas was like he was like alex do what you want to do just know that no one is happy with this (laughs) man i blew it oh i love that yeah it's it's wonderful i'm really excited i think this this developer is making another game this is their first game um, as this studio or as this developer yeah. team they're making a game called after party uh in 2019 i don't cool. know what it is but i'm excited that's awesome yeah so Oxenfree, i would highly recommend if you want something kind of seasonal that's also like very character centric and coming of age-esque yeah i am really excited to play it now what what i find really interesting about these kinds of games and i guess apparently i just learned how you and i differ in the way we play them is you finished this game and then looked up the other endings and like I never ever ever do that. It's just like whatever ending I get is my canonical ending. I don't look up any of the other choices or what could have happened. Like I don't <laughs> I, I just like mainline whatever my choices are. I'm just like I'm going to live with this and that's it. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I, that's probably the better thing to do because then you're like, oh, I have to play it eight times to see. But yeah. You know, with with games like this, I mean, this game is short enough that you could certainly replay it a bunch to see what happens. But there are other games out there like uh, like Chrono Trigger has a bunch of endings. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to look up the other ones because I'm not going to yeah. like right. I play that game a lot, but I'm not going to like replay it solely to get a different ending. Yeah. But a game um, like Undertale or like near Automata or Automata or however that's pronounced, like those games really encourage you to go and check out the other endings and like play yeah. them again. I was I was thinking of Undertale when you said like you just mainline one because that game almost adds a like moral dilemma to doing what I just suggested. Yeah. You know, because there's the there's the big happy ending. And then once you do that, uh Flowey is like, Okay, you did it. Like, why are you still here? Please. Yeah. The only thing that 
is like threatening this universe anymore is you so don't do the bad ending <laughs> please yeah <laughs> i've never seen a game tell you to not play it again yeah um which is really interesting but yeah oxen free i love it play oxen it. free good video game very good that i will probably play now it was given to me as a gift which i also like somehow adds extra meaning in my heart that like uh, a friend gave me this like um, the ring is that the ring or is that the grudge which one <laughs> <laughs> a friend gave me this game oh like the ring or the grudge <laughs> it was actually just like hereditary yeah just like it <laughs> you know speaking of looking up endings i haven't seen hereditary and i only do this with horror movies because i'm not like super prepared for that in yeah. my in my life so i'll like vet the horror movie and just like look up like a wikipedia based synopsis. on wikipedia yeah yeah and i read <laughs> Red Tire, and I was like, nah, I don't need this. Yeah. I don't need this right now. I pulled that um, with uh, Babadook because I did not feel oh. like watching that movie. See, I'm actually curious about that one. I've, I've, I want to check it out eventually. I had to be in the mood. College Steven was way more apt for horror. 28 year old Steven needs everything to be a bit easier. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I get it. You want to take a break? I would love that. Cool. Let's I'll see that. you in a bit. See you in a bit. Bye, everyone. G- goodbye. Skyward Sword kind of almost had it, but it felt very small. Yes. Yeah, you had the, like, birds. The Avatar <laughs> birds. Uh-huh. That game was so small. It was so weird. I, I remember, like, I enjoyed it, but I remember just feeling, like, boxed in. I'm like, I'm in the sky. Why are there, yeah. like, eight, there are, like, eight <laughs> areas. So there's three areas. You revisit them. Whatever. Yeah. Did, did, you, did you like that game, or did you not like it? Um, I mean, I like all Zelda games. I still... If that game wasn't a Zelda game, it would yeah. have been like, oh my god, this cool, weird Wii game that everyone is really into. Uh-huh. Um, but just like stacked up against the rest and being between Twilight Princess and Breath of the Wild, it kind of like is the the ugly duckling of the bunch. Yeah, that's um, true, I guess. Like if they released Sky, Skyward Sword, I would play it like in a heartbeat, I think. I, but I think you're right. If it had come out as like Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg 2, and like that's what it was, <laughs> like I would probably be like, wow, that game was like really surprising. I really good. liked the characters in that game. Other than, other than, uh, I wasn't that into Fee as a sidekick. Mm, yeah. I, I didn't like dislike her character. I just disliked her being like, when you're down to three hearts, and throughout the whole game, she's like, hey, you're you're at three hearts. I'm like, yeah. it is flashing red, and I've played this for 12 And there's hours. that horrible noise that's playing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that was kind of a bummer. But I liked I liked how they characterized Zelda, at least in the beginning, and I liked Groose a lot. Um, yeah, Groose was, was fine. Girahim was kind of interesting. Uh, uh, what was his name? Beetle? Beetle was introduced in Wind Waker, but he's kind of shown up in all of them. Yeah. Isn't that weird that, like... There's a there's a hero of time, but there's also a merchant of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like every like every generation, there are great deals reincarnated. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, <laughs> there's always yeah, there's always there's always a hero of time. There's always a princess, and then there's always Ganon. Yeah, but the, there's actually, also Beetle. Like <laughs> it'd be great if they made like a, a square version of the Triforce. I was about for the to next say game. like. Instead of a square, it's like a compass rose, like a arrow point in each direction, and uh-huh. it's wisdom, courage, power, and bargains. That's the <laughs> the quad force. <laughs> I would love if one game, because you know how like power is always the antagonist. Ganondorf gets corrupted. Yeah. Um, if bargains became the villain, again, there's like shit. <laughs> They're monetizing time. We got to stop this. Just this time. I'm on you next time, but. This generation, we got to stop Beetle from selling us time. (laughs) Thank you.
I, I skipped all of high school because I gave Beetle uh, Lon Lon milk <laughs> and 800 rubies. <laughs> what a bargain. I skipped my entire life. I gave him a thousand rubies and he just killed me on sight. <laughs> what a bargain. I went right to the I went right to my funeral. How do you beat Beetle? Um, so it's kind of weird. Like he ha- he doesn't take any damage. You have to basically haggle him to death. Yeah, yeah. The great thing about Beetle is that he price matches with Amazon. So I just went in with a with a fake printout of Amazon.com that I photoshopped to say that I could get to the end of life for four dollars. <laughs> The tagline of the game is like, Beetle sold his soul, but it was worth the price. And I'm like, <laughs> God, this is amazing. What's this Zelda called? What's this adventure called? Where Beetle is the antagonist. There's a fourth, there's a fourth Triforce. I can think about this forever. This is great. I think we're onto something here. <laughs> Dude, sick Triforce tattoo. You're missing a piece, though. See you later. What? Dear Reggie. Dear Reggie. I'm sick of the three pieces. There's more to life than courage, power, and wisdom. <laughs> you should know this. There's also sick deals, Reggie. <laughs> There's also Black Friday. Ever heard of it? Oh, that might be a good... Uh, that the Legend good of Zelda name. Black Friday? <laughs> <laughs> That's also the title of the episode. We're calling it now. Legend of Zelda Black Friday. Holy shit. Oh, my God. And it's like Majora's Mask, time keeps cycling back because he keeps reselling the day to like whatever dark <laughs> deity is in power. My world ending plan didn't exactly work today. I was hoping I could just get that day back. <laughs> <laughs> this is like changing from funny to like genuinely interesting. Like I'm yeah. actually really into this. Wait, for real though, uh, Reggie, Miyamoto, hit us up. We're at Into the Cast on Twitter. Yeah, if you want to make Legend of Zelda Black Friday happen to make your Black Friday dreams come true, <laughs> sell your soul to Beetle, and he'll give it to some <laughs> otherworldly deity that keeps time repeating for a bargain. You know I'm going to spend the entire rest of the- I've just threw out all my plans for the rest of the day. I'm just going to be photoshopping an evil Beetle in the cover of this game. <laughs> <laughs> I want, like, Beetle holding, like, the Triforce in his palm, like, the Triforce we talk about. Yeah. And then just like rubies like behind him, like falling mm-hmm. slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Dark eyes that. with like yeah, smoke exactly. coming out of them. <laughs> Brendan. That's my we're back voice. Yeah. I give your name like an extra ellipsis. Brendan. <laughs> I hear whispers that you have been playing the new Assassin's Creed. I am. I want to hear all about it. I am playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It is the latest in the long line of the Assassin's Creed franchise. It is the first Assassin's Creed game I've played in, I want to say, five or six years, probably. Oh, wow. So when, when, what was the last game you played then? It was uh, Black Flag, which was the pirate one. That was five. Wow. That was five years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And there have been a lot of Assassin's Creed games since then. Like a lot. Yeah. I looked it up. There, there have been like tons of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just had, I had no interest in playing them at, at, after a certain point. I played, I don't know, how many have you played? Have you played any so, of them? I have only played them like at friends' houses. I've never actually owned them. Mm. I played the first one, yeah, and I played the second one. I really liked the second one, yeah, like as everyone does. Yeah, uh, mo- most you- people will agree that two is the best one. Yeah, I think I kind of tapped out. I didn't really like what they were going for with three. Although I, I always wanted to get uh, Black Flag. That was four, right? Yeah, the pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had a lot of friends who were super into it, so I like 
there are a couple game series that I just know certain friends are going to get. So I'm like, I'll just play that with them. Yeah, you know? totally. And Assassin's Creed one at the time was like a new enough novelty that it was like a really cool experience to have with other people around. Yeah, that was a big deal. That game when that came out. Yeah, that was it really like, was. I played one. I played two. Two was amazing. I don't know if it holds up. I haven't gone back and played it. I I have a sneaking suspicion, a sneaking suspicion uh, that it that it does not hold up. Like if you were to go back and play it again right now, probably not. I mean, a lot of those like open world, early open world games that kind of set the standard. I feel like other people just have done it better since then. Yeah, it, it might be the best version of what Assassin's Creed was at that point. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. That's um, kind of how I feel about like Final Fantasy VI being like the best retro Final Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there were a bunch of spinoffs of two and then three, which was a, kind of a big question mark. And then four, which I think is like that. This is the pirate one. Yeah. Which to me felt like the best version of that Assassin's Creed that you could have. And then they continued trying to make more like that. I think there was one set in like London or whatever. I don't know. They did a bunch. And then eventually people were like, hey, you've just been making the same game in different places over and over again. You got to like stop and rethink this. So then last year <laughs> or two you years ago, <laughs> you, you need to, Ubisoft, you have to stop. What about the War of 1812? No, stop this. Please, please quit it. Yeah, they uh, they took a year off two years ago and they just didn't for the first time since they started making it. Uh, this franchise, they they just didn't release an Assassin's Creed and they were like, we're mm. going to take some time. We're going to take an extra year and like really rethink this. And last year they put out Assassin's Creed Origins, which was set in um, ancient Egypt. And oh, cool was very highly reviewed a lot of people really liked it i was like teetering on the edge of buying it just because i was kind of curious uh because it sounded like a like a really radical restructuring of that game and and how it plays um and i ended up not pulling the trigger on it i might now because it's really cheap um yeah but i did end up getting assassin's creed odyssey which just came out uh this past week it is set in ancient greece and is really fucking good it's a yeah. really really good game i was like i've never been more apathetic about a video game purchase in my whole life <laughs> I, I was just like eh, whatever like i'll i'll get the new assassin's creed i'll try it out like if it's if it sucks it sucks and like that's my fault for buying it the week it came out like i, I was just like willing to play that card yeah but kind of in the spirit of what we were talking about two weeks ago where it's like i was done with spider-man destiny feels kind of like a job at this point so i've like kind of stopped playing destiny for a little bit i was oh, like wow. i just i just need something to like dive into and just get lost in yeah and all i heard about the new assassin's creed right when it came out was this game is really really long and the, the goof that was going around was like how long did it take you to see the title screen which i kept texting you about over yeah. and over again as i was playing it, it took me six hours of actual in-game playtime before wow. i saw the title screen of the game that might be the longest, like, can you think of any game that has a longer period of time before the title screen? I, I can't. I can't, yeah. Just thinking about six hours of playing that game before you see the title screen versus six hours of Spider-Man, there's so much <laughs> stuff that happened in Spider-Man in those six, like, that game is, like, maybe, what, 14 hours long, like, total? Yeah, it's not, I actually just finished it myself recently, and, and I enjoyed that the story wasn't wasn't too long it had yeah. felt very concise and, and good yeah yeah so that would essentially be halfway through spider-man yeah exactly like marvel spider-man yeah <laughs> that's hilarious so that that all of that time the, those six hours are spent on this little tiny island called kefalonia uh where you start out and i was just like doing all the side missions and stuff and just like bopping around and, like anytime there's a question mark on my map i would just go see what the question mark was and 
you know, whatever. And then once you leave that island, this is not a spoiler, once you leave that island uh, and get sent off on a larger quest is when the title screen shows up. So, like, mm. that was the goof, was, like, how long did it take you to see the title screen? Uh, and I was like, that sounds great, actually. That's exactly what I need right now, is a game that I can just, like, pump tons of hours into uh, and just, like, completely get immersed in. And that is exactly what is happening. Maybe because I went in with those expectations, I am getting what I wanted. Yeah. But I'll talk a little bit about the actual game itself. So you play, you, this is the first Assassin's Creed where you can choose between playing as a man or a woman. The guy is named Alexios and the, the girl is named uh, Cassandra. I am going with Cassandra because, you know, it's the first time that they've allowed this option. So it's like, obviously, yeah, for sure, especially because there was a lot of backlash. I don't remember if it was the last game or two games ago where it was like, come on, God, you just like always the dude. Like you always just make <laughs> me play as a dude. Especially if you're making a game every year. Like right. you can, yeah. you're, you're more, you got to keep up with the times if you're literally making a game every year. Right. Um, Not even keeping up with the times. It should have happened a long time ago. Yeah, anyway. absolutely. Yeah. So I'm playing as Cassandra. Uh, she is like easily my favorite character that's ever been in any of these games. This is the first like hour maybe of, of story, but like she is an exiled Spartan. Basically, uh, you open the game. The first thing that happens in the game is like you play the battle of 300 Spartans against oh, wow. uh, against the Persians. I think this might be an alternate history where you win. I'm not sure. Like there's there's some weird stuff that's happening in there. <laughs> that's how the game opens. That's like the tutorial for like how to do the combat. Uh, and right after you get thrown off of a mountain, uh, basically as a kid, you just get thrown off. I don't know how she survives or whatever, but there's this whole thing uh, where y you and your brother get thrown off a mountain. Uh, you get sacrificed to the gods or whatever. So that's kind of how the game starts. And she becomes, when she grows up, a mercenary on this little tiny island called Kefalonia. So you start the game just kind of like bopping around this island, like being a sword for hire, essentially, for like really small time shit uh, until mm -hmm. someone eventually takes notice and is like, actually, you should go kill this like much bigger, larger entity. <laughs> I've noticed you've rescued 18 sheep. Why don't yeah. you work for me? Right. Yeah, that, that is what it feels like, weirdly. Yeah. But what I love about Cassandra specifically in this game is her vibe, although she's a mercenary, she has a lot of heart and she has a lot of there's a lot of mercy there. Right. We're like, yes, you know, she'll get hired to like slay like 15 priests who stole a sapphire which is like a thing that happens but also occasionally like you'll go take a quest from someone and you'll be given a dialogue option it's like i don't want your money like i just need to do this because like it's the right thing to do mm. and and she oscillates between those things in the story that's pre-written but also in the dialogue options that they give you they allow you to make those decisions which don't have any impact on the story or the gameplay really they just impact how you see the character that you're playing as, which I yeah, think is, for sure. you know, not having those effects that ripple out like an Oxenfree or like a Telltale game, but instead just doing that for you, the player, to like understand your character better, I think is a really interesting and strong uh, decision for Ubisoft to have made in this case. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for just like, I guess the term I would think of there is flavor text, but it also in a game, especially um, yeah. because you're choosing to say that it, it really does reshape the character. I, I think of that with um with games like Witcher 3, where the main character is also like a pre-written, preset character. Like you're not right. going to have a wildly different Geralt from someone else. Yeah. But you can have a Geralt who shows a lot more mercy or compassion and you can have a Geralt who's just doing his job, yeah. you know? And that little wiggle room for freedom, it can really help, even if the character is pre-made. 
yeah um, for role-playing purposes this game is getting compared a lot to the witcher 3 which i think is probably exactly what ubisoft was going for and wanted yeah to be totally honest yeah but it really does feel like that it it feels very much like uh witcher 3 dialogue options i I think is a really great way of putting it even down to like the i'm gonna i'm gonna just fight you instead of just like hearing you out or like i'm gonna romance you as an option you know when it's available like that kind of stuff pops up all the time it's really really wonderful um the world obviously really filled out really gorgeous um there's a photo mode i have to i feel obligated to bring a photo mode um there's (laughs) wait how do you take pictures what do you mean like did so that you can oh, just it's, take it's not as like it's not in okay. <laughs> it's, it's i was not. like i want to see how they cobble together an ancient greece camera can i do a quick painting of you real quick oh socrates is in the game yeah i remember i saw him in the e3 video they yeah. used him as like an example of the dialogue yeah he's like really annoying that's like his whole vibe <laughs> which uh, apparently is what he was like in real life which is great yeah but yeah, anyway, uh, basically, so I'm, I think, maybe 10 to 15 hours in at this point. I am just starting to catch whiffs of like the Assassin's Creed, again, like supernatural kind of shit. You know how Assassin's Creed always at some point like kind of goes off the deep end and it's like, oh, now there's like this big, like mysterious holy egg that is actually like future technology that's maybe from aliens or maybe not like all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So does it tie into the, to the future story at all or no? So I've said the future story has existed for maybe five minutes so far okay. in the time that I've played. I don't know if it's going to come into or come to fruition any more than it has already. Um, but I, it is there in some, in some aspect. I feel like, I don't know who's playing these games for that. Like, I don't know who wants, like, why, why am I buying the ancient Greece Assassin's Creed game? If I want to play the like future modern day story, like th- that whole side of Assassin's Creed has never really made much sense to me that it like yeah. oscillates back and forth between them. It worked like in the first one, but right. like it, it worked in the first one because at a certain point, like when you leave the Animus, he has acquired the talents of Altair and and has become an assassin via living through this person. And like that was actually a really interesting idea that it seems like they just did over and over and over again. And now I don't even know what's happening. Yeah. I, I could I literally couldn't tell you like I have no idea why it's there. It sounds like the I mean from the from the footage shown at E3 and up till release at least from what I have watched it I think we talked about this too like it it almost should have just been a new game you know like I feel like it, the tie to Assassin's Creed exists almost solely for like namesake I feel yeah. like it sounds like it's just a brand new experience you might as well just call it like. I don't know something else. Spartan yeah, or I I, I very much feel that way. Like it really yeah. feels like it. It is not Assassin's Creed anymore. Um, and the the last like vestiges of Assassin's Creed that exist feel very out of place. Like they yeah. still have that thing where you have to go climb to the tallest point like around you, and then you hold triangle, and then you synchronize with with the world around you. But it doesn't do the thing that it used to do anymore. In the in the past, that used to like show you all the map markers that were around you, and then you could go do all those side quests if you wanted to. That's not a thing anymore. All this does is unlock that point as a fast travel point, and that's it. Oh, it is very much like Breath of the Wild in that way. Yeah, I find myself really surprised over and over again about how often I compare this to Breath of the Wild because it still feels kind of like an old school open world game, but in playing it, it very much isn't. It feels like inspired by Zelda in that way. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think Breath of the Wild, even Spider-Man, we kind of drew comparisons to Breath of the Wild. Like that's kind of become the new staple for an open world game like this. But even Spider-Man um, had, you know, the map markers where it was like, I'm going to go do this side mission, this side mission, this side mission. True. Like you could yeah. just choose which one you wanted to do. 
Assassin's Creed Origins and Odyssey are way more like, I'm just going to run around this world and there's question marks on the map. I don't know what they are and there's no way to find out what they are. And I'll find out when I get there. And it might be like a quest. It might be like a bandit camp. It might be, you know, 58 different things, but you won't know until you go there, which I really like. Um, And there's always, it's one of those situations where there's always something over the horizon once you get there and you can run around, you can climb anything, you have a horse, you can like ride your horse around. It feels very much like Zelda, just, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Ancient Greece. I was thinking of Back to Witcher 3 and I, they do tell you what quests are in that game. But in the beginning, I just sort of talked to everyone like, yeah, you know, for fun. And I, I accidentally joined a Magic the Gathering tournament because of it. And I was like, oh, shit, everybody was really good. <laughs> and my cards suck. Yeah. Um, thankfully, there was a quest. If you lost, there was a whole thing around it. So right. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is really, really, really. I haven't even talked about like some of the actual mechanics of the game. It's the first time in a while that the combat in Assassin's Creed has actually felt like combat and not just like I'm slamming whatever button like X or square or whatever it used to be. Now you have kind of a little bit more um, a little bit more leeway where R1 is a light attack. R2 is a heavy attack. You can parry things at the right time. Mm. You know, if someone's attacking you. You can you can tell when an attack that you can't parry is coming, so then you can press square to jump out of the way. You can have two weapons at any given time at a certain point once you hit a certain level, so you can like equip different kinds of weapons. So the combat is actually like very fluid and interesting. It's definitely not good, but it's not as bad as it used to be, which it's like an RPG at this point, which I find really interesting. There's like yeah. loot boxes and stuff, and it's all random rolls of gear. So like You'll get gear at like different levels, almost like a destiny where it's like common gear, rare gear, legendary gear and epic gear. And you can upgrade them and do all these different things to them and like change their stats and change their roles. What else? I mean, there's there's so much. So one of the really weird things that I, I like and also like vehemently dislike because it feels like they were so close to something great is that there are all these different areas around Greece and all of these different areas are owned by either Sparta or Athens who are currently mm-hmm. at war. And you right. being a mercenary, you can work for either side. Oh, cool. The way this is introduced to you, though, the way this whole entire like mechanic is introduced to you is you are working for Sparta to get Athens out of this one area of Greece. So you have to go around to all these different camps that the Athenian soldiers are like occupying and wipe out all these different like boxes of uh, like gear and, and resources that they have. You have to take out their captains. And when you do enough of that, this like bar that's constantly on the bottom right hand corner of your screen lowers with with each of those things that you do until eventually you gather enough information by doing this. that You know where like the person who is running this entire area of Greece is at and then you can go kill them. And when you kill them uh, or you go into a battle between Athens and Sparta. And in that case, in the beginning, you were with Sparta because that's what the story dictates. Right after that, you are able to just go and like hang out with Athens and like help Athens kick Sparta <laughs> right back out of that same area. And there's no story reason for it. They'd never explain that to you. Yeah, but you could if you weird. wanted to. It's really weird. And I've done this like multiple times because it seems to be the best way to gain experience and to like get new gear and stuff. But that first area, I have just over and over and over again wiped out Sparta wiped out Athens, wiped out Sparta, wiped out Athens. Wiped oh, so you out just Sparta. keep switching sides over and over again. And every <laughs> single time they're like, ah, sellsword, welcome. <laughs> like, please join our battle. Um, what if your ending is like, oh, the opportunist of the ages. <laughs> you have this like creepy Maybe. ending. I would love that. I would love side. if yeah. at the end it was like, wow, you really have like no moral compass at all, do you? Yeah. 
Yeah, that that part is is fascinating. It is fun though. Like the the actual battle scenes are like really interesting because it's yeah, just like cool. tons of dudes all around the place that you're just like wiping them out, and the captains show up, and you're just kind of like chaining between person to person to person, just like trying to kill as many as you can. It's cool. It's an interesting thing. Reminds me of the Civil War quest in Skyrim. Yeah, it is, bit. but with less reason to join one side or the other. Yeah, and that game actually, even though that quest i found a little anticlimactic when you finish it the fact that you know in the beginning you're obviously a prisoner of the imperials and then you escape you could choose who you escape with and then at any time you could join either side so right you haven't officially fought for one over the other yet yeah um and that that's the problem in this game is like they bring you into sparta for a story reason and then immediately you can go join athens and there's no they don't even tell you that you could do that if you wanted to but it's just an option that exists yeah that's i think that's one of the biggest things to avoid in an open world game is having your actions completely contrast the story yeah and we've talked about that a lot with like i think the first red dead redemption had a lot of that where Mm -hmm. like if you play it like gta it doesn't make sense because john morrison's not gonna like he's not a maniac like he's not he's not a great guy but he's also not like insane other games too like even skyrim we talked about like you know, you can finish the the mages school and be wearing the archmage robes and everyone's like, you should be a wizard. It's like, I, I am. I am, I am the, the wizard. wizard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the wizard. Uh, yeah. And that's a different thing of like you being recognized for your actions. But like when it does give you that much freedom, it should come with like at least a line of dialogue being like, hey, you're really going to keep doing this. Yeah. Like there are situations in Assassin's Creed Odyssey that I've run into where that is happening. The 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 good side of that coin um is happening so like i I haven't even talked about two of the main systems in the game one of them is called the mercenary system which is literally the thing that everyone wanted where they just like cribbed it from lord of the ring shadow of mordor where Mm. or is that the first one whatever it was anyway the the whole system where like there's uh, a faction of orcs like orc captains and you could like work your way up and like take them down one by one and they all have like strengths and weaknesses and when you kill one it gets replaced with another one like that kind of stuff that also is happening in assassin's creed where if you break the law in any way or if you i don't know like say you're trying to take an area of greece for sparta and you go and kill like an athenian general like out in the middle of the open bounty hunters will start to come after you and different mercenaries will start to come after you and they all Mm -hmm. have names and they all have like strengths and weaknesses and things like that um and you can either just go kill them or you can kill the person that put the bounty on you and then that wipes your bounty clean uh, or i think you can pay them off but like it's an assassin's creed game so obviously you're going to kill them <laughs> <laughs> but what's really great is once those mercenaries are out in the world and you know that they exist they're always there just wandering around so oh, if wow. you don't have a bounty on you and you're walking around or like if you do have a bounty on you and they're not the one who is hired to kill you and you walk by them, they'll be like, there's a bounty on your head. Just like be careful. Like they'll tell you like, hey, there's people oh, wow. coming after you right now and you should like watch out or they'll be like, you're lucky that I didn't take the bounty because like we would be fighting right now in the street. Wow. That's which really is, interesting. Which is very cool. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, and all, all of the all of the mercenaries have like these like weird traits. Like one of them had like a cougar with him. He was like this big guy who like was actually kind of like glass. Like I just hit him like two times and he died but he had a cougar with him that was like really powerful and it was very clear that he just like tamed this cougar to do all of his dirty work for him oh that's interesting which is fun so they all have these like weird things about them like weird quirks so that's that's one system that i really enjoy and is interesting and i find myself engaging with a lot more than i thought i would the other one 
uh, is more of like a main storyline thing. And I don't I'm going to kind of tiptoe around it to not spoil anything for people who might play it. Uh, But there's a system called the cult system where there are secret members of a cult that you have to take out one by one. But the first time you meet them, everyone's wearing masks and robes. So you don't know who any of them are. Oh, cool. And you have to via exploring the world, talking to people taking other bounties and like murdering other people and like searching their houses for clues and stuff. You have to slowly discern the identities of all of these people. And it's like a big web the way it shows up on your uh, on your menu. So there's this big web of people and they all have masks and, and robes on. And then when you have enough clues to figure out who someone is, you're able to identify them and then you learn a little bit about them and where they live and then you can go take them out. And then usually taking them out will give you a clue for someone else. And you kind of work your way towards the center of the web and find out who's running the cult that way. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I picture like the cork board and like newspaper articles with like things underlined. Yeah, it's like, Pepe Silvia. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like <laughs> straight up always sunny. It's it is that it is that for real. And that to me feels like the evolution of Assassin's Creed in the way yeah. that I think they thought like Black Flag, like adding ship combat and stuff was going to be. Like, this really feels like I am a mercenary who is tracking down these, like, secret people and taking them out one by one via my just, like, engaging with the game and engaging with the world and and exploring, you know? I, I think that's a really brilliant way to, like, keep that that idea of I'm an assassin alive, yeah. you know? Cool. That is, like, especially as an RPG, like, I always think back to, um, I'm going to bring up Oblivion here in an in a actual way, not just for fun. Sure. But like in the Dark Brotherhood quest line of Oblivion, which is easily the best yeah. part of that game, there are like in Skyrim, it's pretty good. But in Skyrim, you can just sort of show up and kill the target and that's it. But in Oblivion, they make you take out the targets in like very specific ways. Yeah. So like one is you have to like stalk this head guard around and like get used to his schedule. And there's one part of the day where he goes swimming. And that's yep. the one part where like you can you have the arrow of Sithis, and then they're mm-hmm. like okay his soul is now in hell forever thanks here's <laughs> here's 800 gold yeah um there's another my favorite quest in the dark brotherhood and i don't normally like playing an evil character but it's just it's it's so good that it's worth doing you are invited to a like dinner party of like all of these like rich yep you know like uh the one percent of oblivion are having this party where there's yeah. a it's chest. easily the best quest in any elder scrolls game yeah there's a chest full of gold and you are assigned to kill everyone at the party but they can't suspect you so you have to like you know like you can tell someone where the treasure is in a room and then kill them and then everyone's like oh my god like who did that? And you can convince them through speech that it was someone else. Yep. The best thing was uh, the one like retired guard was on to me the whole time. And it was just me, the Nord and him at the end. And the guard showed up with like full steel armor on. And he was like, I know it's you. And I yeah. gave him a bunch of gold. And he's like, I know it's him. <laughs> and they killed each other. And the whole time, I'm like, guys, I am a lizard man in a black cloak. Like, can you not figure this out? I am clearly evil. I'm dripping with evil. Yeah. I am a lizard man with like emperor, emperor robes on. Mm-hmm. Incredible. A, yeah. a beautiful game. It is a, it is a wonderful game. Yeah. Yeah, that is weirdly what the what the cult system in Assassin's Creed Odyssey feels like. It feels yeah. like some dark brotherhood shit. Um And that's awesome. And that's how you do an assassin in an RPG game. It's like you actually embody the practice yeah. of an assassin, not just like, you know, stealth limit breaks. Yeah. 
<laughs> ranks, yeah, summons. Yeah, uh, honestly, like I, I was really glad because I, I was expecting to buy this game and get back into this franchise and just like be confronted with all the things that they haven't changed. Kind of like Pokemon in a way where it's yeah, like yeah. every time you play Pokemon game, you kind of know what you're going to get. A lot of the stuff that I was expecting from this game isn't there. No longer are you like blending in with a whole bunch of monks to like try and escape from someone who's seen you. You know what I mean? Like where the monks right. are all like praying and you go and you pretend to pray with them. That stuff is like all gone now. There are no more tailing <laughs> missions. Like you're not like tailing people around. Anymore. I somehow embody the perspective of one of the monks being like, dude, what? Like <laughs> you were clearly not one of us. Like, just like, I feel like that way whenever I'm at church, I always forget like what to do. I yeah. seldom go these days. I'm like, oh, uh, uh. <laughs> like, I got a friend's weddings. I'm just like, what do I do? I yell. Do I kneel? What do I do? Here's my blood. Take my blood. Uh-huh. Yeah. Are you going to pass the sword around? Am I supposed to cut my palm open? <laughs> How's your writing? Steven uh, is, has lost it. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. It being his mind and the blood in his left hand. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that stuff that I really disliked about Assassin's Creed by the time I had gotten around to playing four is now gone. Even like realistically, like a lot of the stealth and assassin stuff is gone. Minus the cult system. Like you can still stealth around and kill people, and there's some like really interesting uh, stuff that you can do. But there is an, there are three ability trees. One of them is the assassin's build, which like has a whole bunch of things that you can do to become a better assassin. But it really seems like they lean into the other two, which are hunter, which is like long range bow stuff, yeah. um, and and warrior, which is like one on one like melee combat stuff. And that to me feels more like what the character wants yeah in a way so like i find myself specking into those two more than the assassin stuff like i have a move where i can shoot like an arrow that does like 300 percent damage from like super far away and like that's the one assassin ability that i've unlocked because it's just fun it's just fun to like headshot someone from like super far away yeah but besides that like the combat is like i said it's not great but it's good enough that i do find myself just running into bases where it's clear like they set me up to be doing stealthy shit but like i just run into the middle i'm like hi i'm here and then i just fight all of them <laughs> i did that as spider-man a lot and like me too spider-man the enemies uh, outside of the mj and and other side missions spider-man the enemies aren't very like receptive like i i went into a fisk construction site and like knocked out three people and someone's like who's there i'm like spider-man <laughs> spider -Man, there's webs Look behind you yeah is that is that flash it, wrong universe <laughs> <laughs> the thing about spider-man was i found myself being stealthy until i got good enough at the combat where i could just land in the middle of the fist construction yeah, site that's and a take good them that's on. a good that's a good point yeah assassin's creed to me at least this one feels like cassandra <laughs> as a character feels like someone who being a spartan and being raised a spartan and trained as a spartan has this like penchant for combat and for honor that it feels like her sneaking around and taking out people one by one is not what she would want to do so i find myself not doing that I that affects me greatly. That's I think I mentioned that that kind of point when we were talking about Final Fantasy a couple episodes ago, mm. where like there are some Final Fantasies where your character is locked into a certain class, you know, like in nine, yeah, uh, Steiner is like the knight and he fights like a knight, yeah. Um, and I do like the the like I think Octopath Traveler has some fun stuff with like the the class system. But that game, the combat feels like in another universe than the story does. So like yeah. it kind of works. Um, but there are some Final Fantasies where I'm like, why does this character have the ability to summon the Knights of the Apocalypse? This is not yeah. add up. Um, yeah. 
and not even not even being like oh this doesn't make logistical sense just like this doesn't match with the character right and especially in an rpg you want everything you want every like move they do to feel like it's in character yeah because otherwise it takes you out of it yeah and in that respect i am playing odyssey as if i am a warrior because that is what cassandra wants you know and and it yeah via the dialogue i'm learning this you know i think the only other thing worth mentioning before we can wrap up on on assassin's creed is just one very interesting thing that they do i don't know if this was in origins or not um i know it's a new thing but i don't know if it was in the last game it might be even new for this game but when you start the game you know they have the choose your difficulty easy medium hard but they also have another choice which is um would you like to play guided mode or exploration mode um Uh. and guided mode is very much like a classic assassin's creed experience where like you load in you know exactly where all of the uh, map markers are for the quests that you take um and then you just go there exploration mode which is what i'm playing and what they say in the thing is like this is how you should play assassin's creed odyssey it's like in the tooltip that pops up when you're hovering over it you will get a quest and you will have to basically interrogate the person that gave you the quest and maybe occasionally some people around you to get the information about where you're supposed to be going um and on the top left where it shows you what quest you're tracking currently like it'll show you okay this person is or this place is you know in the northern part of this mountain uh and it's to the east of this bandit camp that you've already been to and discovered um and you know it'll give you like a bunch of clues about where you're supposed to go kind of around there um and then you just kind of make your way towards there which is a really interesting way of uh i don't know just just encouraging the player to explore the world and actually like engage with the npcs that exist yeah, um, I like it a lot. It's a it's a cool way of playing the game, um, and it has allowed me to kind of learn the map, even though it's gigantic, and I've only seen still fifteen hours in a very small fraction of it. Um, That's wild. But I I still know my way around that very small fraction, like the back of my hand already. Yeah, just because of this exploration mode that exists, it's very cool. It's it's a great thing. That sounds great. I honestly, I was kind of on the fence of getting it. And I, I may pick it up after hearing uh, your review of it. I think I would be into it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's I'm really, really, really enjoying it. Um, I find myself losing hours to it in a way that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It's a good it's a good video game. Do you want to uh, take a quick break? I would like to take a break and then I would like to talk about some of the uh, news surrounding this game. Uh, ominous. Spooky. We're back to spooky season. Actually, this is scary season. Yeah, this as is you, scary. As you uh, defined earlier. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Let's do it. Cool. Break. I'm still thinking about the baby playing on the iPad because I have seen like my friends who who have kids and and just kids in passing. Like a lot of them play with phones, like as, not to use the phone or the iPad, but just to like play around with it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And there are apps made specifically for that, where it just like puts like random shapes and like animals and stuff on the screen, so they can just like <laughs> slam it with their hands, their small then hands. Then randomly you know? ask you if you want to buy stock. Like, sure. <laughs> During that, there was an episode of Rugrats where Tommy gets into like some room and hits a switch. And then it like cuts to Wall Street and like the prices are going up and everyone's like, bye, bye. And then he hits it again. Like, sell, sell. I do not remember that, but that's awesome. That's like it. I've never forgotten that. It might have not happened, but I think it did. I hope that it happened. Yeah. And I'm not going to look it up. This is just my headcanon now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is your canonical ending that you're committing to. (laughs) I made my choice and that choice was sell. I just heard like the sound that you would hear in Jurassic Park, like when a T-Rex in the distance takes like one step 
And like, that's oh, yeah. how you know that the T-Rex scene is about to happen. <laughs> I just heard that outside. They never enter quietly. No. Anyway, we're yeah. back. We're back. <laughs> welcome. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, so, Stephen, there is some stuff about Assassin's Creed Odyssey that is um, causing quite a stir on the Internet. And I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to talk to you about it and kind of get your take on it. Um, and this can take as long or as short an amount of time as we want, depending on how we both feel about it. But one of the big things in Assassin's Creed Odyssey that people seem to be very angry about is that in the microtransaction store of which you know there's a lot of stuff in there you could buy like different skins for your horse and your ship and you can buy weapons that like have an effect on gameplay and all that kind of stuff which doesn't really matter as much as it would in a game like i don't know overwatch or something because it's it's not not a multiplayer game right so like you can you can pull that kind of stuff but one of the sections in the store is called time savers and there are things that you can buy which are um experience boosts and gold boosts so like you can double the amount of experience and gold that you make um you can buy these in increments of like i think an hour or like a couple hours but you can also buy permanent ones that will permanently increase the amount of experience you get from everything and permanently increase the amount of money you get from everything the conversations happening online there are a couple but one of the main ones is like did this factor into the way you have to play the game like did this factor into the actual design of the game are you getting less experience per quest than you were supposed to um, to try and encourage people to buy this thing? It's, it's, a, it's a whole topic of debate. I can say from the amount of time that I've played so far that I've never felt under leveled for anything. Um, and I have never felt like I wasn't getting enough money or experience from a thing. Like that I was going to be my first question. Yeah, was, I'm leveling up at a rate that I have completely ignored this option. I think at a certain point I might actually end up picking it up. Like if I feel like I want to just kind of finish the game and move on to another one. But that's only because we do this podcast. That's not because like if, if we weren't doing this podcast and this was just the game I was playing for the rest of the year, like I would absolutely not buy it. But you know, Red Dead Redemption comes out at some point this year. Yeah. So like I'm going to have to finish up odyssey to get to that um here is the broad strokes of what i feel in this current moment in time it sounds like from what you're saying your experience in the game it sounds like that that feature in this game specifically seems benign enough that you can ignore right yeah conceptually i despise it i really Mm -hmm. something about that more than like any other kind of microtransaction stuff really sunk deep into my soul and makes me very like sad not even angry i'm just like that is the equivalent of like going to a museum and people be like, you can make a donation. If you give us 20 bucks, you can just skip the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you can just go outside for 20 bucks. Right. I know that's like a bit of a stretch, but here's the thing there. I have played games where in the difficulty menu, they have said like this play this mode. If you just want the story, like in Witcher three, there's a mode where it's like, we'll make the combat super easy. So you can just steamroll through it and really just get a story centric game yeah there are other games that the difficulty literally does like what changes is the amount of experience and gold you get Mm -hmm. so to to charge real money for that i i feel like and maybe i'm naive but i feel like what ubisoft was maybe going for in that decision with the whole like guided mode or whatever like they are probably like we want to make this experience super customizable to like for all players so if you but even still charging real money for that is so bizarre and you're essentially skipping the game right like that's what you're doing you're buying time you would have spent in the game which is like so are you suggesting that combat is a chore 
that I, I'm that's kind of like even calling money. the section time savers is what rubs me the wrong way. Like maybe I just you know won't I mean? play this game and save a bunch of time. You can pay right. me. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's that's really bad. I I didn't hear about that. I didn't know that that was a thing. Um, yeah. And I really pray to every god that exists that that doesn't pop up in other games because like that's that's an EA move for sure. Can I give you? Can I can I play devil's advocate for a second? Yeah, this? sure. Because yeah. like I I am with you on that. Like there is like calling it time savers is an admission of guilt in some way, shape, or form. You know. Yeah. Um, but the actual, like, if you were to buy that, right, and you were to start using it, that doesn't prevent you from playing the game the way you want to play it. It just means that you're getting more experience. You know what I mean? It just means that you're leveling up faster. And that doesn't mean that you can go through the story any faster. That doesn't mean really anything except for that you're getting more experience and you're getting more gold. Like, that stuff is not going to make you play the game any faster, which is kind of weird that it's under a section called Time Savers. So there's that. On the other hand, also, I do think there's a market for this, right? Like if you're if you're a person like a person who reviews games or talks about games on a podcast like this, or if you are a person who has like a kid or like a like a very demanding full time job and you don't have a lot of time to play games, this is probably a very nice option to have. But at the same time, like you said, I do think that it kind of sucks that you have to pay for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you're going to again, it's like say, that that option has existed in other games that exact right. that ex- and i'm totally for that if you want if you don't have the time to sink into a game a game giving you the option to enjoy it at a different level at a different speed that works for your schedule is great i don't think that should be monetized because like right I, I, dlc to me uh, the pinnacle example of dlc is is you know something like breath of the wild or something like what spider-man is going to do we'll see how it is but yeah. It's a game comes out finished. It's in, in both cases, these are big games. And then the creative team wants to do more and you can get it if you want. That's good DLC. Yes. Um, and that's worth spending money on because you're paying for the time put into it. You're not paying for the void of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can see the appeal of the actual mechanic. I just don't think it should be charged for. That's that's my that's my thing. Yeah. What, how gonna- much is it? It's expensive. Ugh. It's like te- it's it's ten bucks for the just the um either just the experience boost or just the gold boost and fifteen bucks if you get them both bundled. No way. That's awful. I'm yeah. so not I'm so not into that. Yeah. I don't I don't want to uh to come off too negative, but like that that just that rose me the wrong way heavily. Yeah. And I hope are most people against it. Yeah. Oh yeah. People are like pretty vehemently against it. Yeah personally again having played the game like it is very easy to ignore it and i actually think it's it's better than um i i personally like i know a lot of people are very okay with it i personally have an issue with the overwatch method of microtransactions even though none of that stuff has any impact on actual gameplay just the fact that it is like a random loot box kind of appeals to the like dangerous gambly side oh yeah absolutely i mean and that's things that's yeah it's it's exploiting people with gambling addictions like yes absolutely and yeah it mechanically it doesn't make a difference but even you know i think in a case of that they should just let you buy the skin you want like they would probably make way less money off of it but like it just i don't know it's all a mess yeah well the thing like in the case of the time saver mode, like I don't think that the people who are prone to that kind of problem are going to have an issue 
with time saver mode. You know what I mean? Because you very clearly know what you're yeah. going to buy or what you're not. Where the problem lies in Assassin's Creed Origins, or sorry, in Odyssey, maybe in Origins, I don't know if this was in there or not, but they also do have loot boxes. Oh, do they? They do. So there's there's a specific NPC that you can go talk to who takes an extra kind of currency called Oracalcum, I think it's called, which you get by doing daily quests. They're like daily quests on uh, the job boards around that you can do and go get this like in-game currency. You can also just straight up buy that in-game currency through the microtransaction store and then talk to this guy and buy loot boxes from him. That's where shit gets gross, you know? Yeah. The time saver mode I feel a little bit better about in that regard but at the same time like well it sounds like in this game you could ignore the time saver mode like you said like yes. it doesn't it doesn't it's not designed in a way that you're gonna get like set up to have to use it yeah and you could ignore the loot box guy if you wanted to but he is there and that yeah. is the whole problem to me yeah and it's i i the reason i'm a bit more like passionately against the time saver thing is because i don't want that appearing in other games you know mm how quickly would ea throw that in any game you know next yeah. next mass effect or dragon age like oh well you don't level up unless you pay <laughs> yeah right <laughs> like, because like so in interviews with ubisoft and and with the teams that made this game they have said that this did not factor into the way experience and gold drops yeah in and i trust game. that i it's trust just, that whether you trust it or not at some point along the lines or at some point along the line like now that this is out in the world it's kind of open to pandora's box where it's like what you're saying someone probably will factor that into the way that you play the game and like hopefully when a game like that comes out there will be enough of a warning from the press and from uh the the early like day one buyers where it's like hey maybe you shouldn't get this game because they're trying to do the assassin's creed odyssey thing but they well, definitely think- lower the amount of experience you're getting yeah, I think even EA learned that like when you put DLC and microtransactions in the way of the player, they're just not going to they're going to rebel against the game. Right. Um, and I think that that's apparent. The loot box stuff is especially insidious because most players will either not buy it or buy like a handful. And then you have the pocket of people that are going to spend a ton of money on it. And that's who they're profiting off of, which is like evil. It's yeah. it's very exploitative. Uh, yeah, it's a, excuse me. It's exploiting someone's addiction for a profit right in like an invisible way to me in that in that world of microtransactions i i agree with you on the dlc front but if you're going to charge for cosmetics the way overwatch does i think the way to do it is probably fortnite like what fortnite does is they have uh, a, a store that has like 15 things in it every day and it rotates like every couple hours yeah and it's like those are just the things you can get that day And the people that buy that stuff are like very okay with buying that stuff because A, the game was free in the first place. Yeah. And B, they feel like they're supporting the developer and they're supporting their hobby by doing that. Exactly. Yeah. That to me feels like a good give and take. And that is one of the most profitable games of all time now. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's a good way to do it because then you have the like thrill of what's new every day. Yeah. That's Fortnite gets it, you know? Isn't that weird though? That is weird. (laughs) It's like Fortnite is, is the like, on the front lines of like doing the right thing yeah yeah i I never thought i would say that yeah here we are again and i just want to reiterate this one more time but like having played the game i don't think about the fact that that exists at all yeah i just don't it just doesn't factor into the way i'm playing the game i feel like i'm leveling up at a a rate that makes sense i am doing a lot of the side quests that's that's one of the things that people say is like oh it makes me have to do all the side quests like to to they, they think that the way that they implemented this in the game was like 
you can't do the main story unless you do all of the side quests and get enough experience via doing those to level up to the point that you can do the main story. I haven't had that issue because I just like playing the video game and I'm doing yeah. the side quests because the game is encouraging me to do them and they're fun and I and I have I have a good time playing the game. Like <laughs> if you just if you like the game and you're playing it, like you're gonna get enough experience to do things. I was thinking of other really bizarre Do you ever play Bravely Default? I haven't. That game has a really bizarre microtransaction that like is so like I can't I don't think anyone bought it. Because basically like there are the combat system is pretty cool in that game, and you can build up. I think like every day you have. It's been a while since I played it, but every day you can use like one time stopping ability that like gives you like a slight leg up in the battle, and the game lets you buy those. <laughs> and I was just like, who would buy? Like, who was yeah. buying this? I, it was so because they like it's in the tutorial like of of learning how to play that game. They're like, oh, and this is this is a thing too, and you can buy it with real money. Here's how to do it. I'm like, That's Ugh. very funny. No. Hopefully yeah. Time Savers is that where just like a weird swing and a miss of like this strange benign DLC that hopefully doesn't start like a evil wave of, like you said, Pandora's box. Yeah. Of uh, limiting experience and gold by by paying for it. There, There's like another part of me that just thinks like eventually someone is going to figure this out. The whole like microtransaction element of games, because like it is very clear at this point that $60 is not enough to to facilitate the amount of people it takes to make a triple A game like this. Sure. You know, like yeah. they have to make DLC. But a yeah. game like a game like God of War, like doesn't need any DLC because Sony gave um, Santa Monica Studios so much money to make that an exclusive that like that's fine, you know, because that game is going to sell consoles for them. Yeah. Um, so there's no DLC necessary for it. But a game like Assassin's Creed by a company like Ubisoft, like they need to figure out a way to monetize on top of the sixty dollars because sixty dollars just doesn't cover it. They are doing DLC, but they are also doing microtransactions like every way that you possibly can because this game is like Destiny, a service, right? Like if I'm going in and there are daily quests that I can do to get an extra form of currency so I can do other stuff, like that's just Destiny but single player. Oh, I didn't know that there was a daily like updated game that. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It makes sense to the point where I understand that they have to cover costs. Um, I mean, it's like film that way, where it's such a huge investment. They have to learn how to break even. You know, right. it's it's a pseudoscience in some way. I just I wonder if there's a way to do it that isn't so creepy. You know? Yeah. Well, for a single player game, how do you do it? Like with Fortnite, you could do it the way that they're doing it. And obviously that works very well because the game is good. The audience is there and, and the microtransactions don't feel um exploitative in any way shape or form right in a single player game i don't know how you pull that off really um, yeah and it seems like ubisoft is trying every method simultaneously for this yeah, game yeah which i think is what is rubbing people the wrong way again like i paid 60 dollars for this game and i'm getting so much value out of it like i i don't know i I feel like I am getting my money's worth by playing it. Um, and I don't feel like I need to add anything onto it. Um, I am not going in and buying any of the weapons that are available in the microtransaction store because like you get loot at such a ridiculous rate that there's really no need to. Um, and I, I don't feel like paying for skins for anything. So like, I don't know. I got a complete yeah. package when I purchased the game. Um, but the option is there and that is what people are against. Yeah, I guess it's, as long as the game feels complete, then I personally don't mind it. But I also like can't help but mind that it exists for the sake of someone who is more prone to do that. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, that's that's where I stand. And hopefully there's a way 
for triple A single player games to make a profit without doing this. Yeah. I said this the same way I said Brendan. Like Brendan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still curious with picking it up though. Despite all that, like it sounds like a cool game and I definitely want to try it out. Um Yeah, it's really good. I mean, like maybe get Origins, because Origins is probably cheap now. Like you can probably true. get that like very on sale at this point. Yeah. Um I saw it was twenty dollars recently. Like there was a PlayStation sale. Um they had it for twenty bucks. So like you could do that at any point. Apparently they're very much the same game. Not the same game, but like same style of game. It's just like which location do you want to play in? Yeah. Um so and Assassin's Creed games tend to tend to drop in price pretty rapidly after they come out anyway. So like yeah. Yeah. It's cool. good. I like it a lot. It's a it's the first Assassin's Creed game I've liked since probably two. Because I didn't play a lot of Black Flag. I, I didn't mention that before, but like I didn't really play a lot of that game. I just kind of wanted to see if it was good and it didn't really hook me. It's the first one I've liked since two. So I'm imagining a, a strange NPC in Black Flag being like, Hey, you wanna see some time? I got a plane. <laughs> You're spending all your time on a boat. Pay me real cash. I can get you a plane. Dude. I'll get you a whole ass jet, my dude. Do you wanna be a sky pirate on like a <laughs> Plain. <laughs> all right well well i think on that note i think on that note this was uh i know we got into some negative territory with that but you know we we talk about stuff in the news and i think that like you and i both value games as art and i think that like i just get kind of i get kind of sad to see like when with any medium when like the business gets in the way of the craft in this case it sounds like it really didn't like, it doesn't sound like it does impact assassin's creed odyssey at all um i just really hope that the practice doesn't bleed elsewhere you know yeah i mean without without diving like directly back into that conversation again i do think there's always going to be with any movie there's always going to be like blockbuster shit and there's always going to be you know like eighth grade right sure. like oh yeah no i'm not i'm not necessarily commenting on, i guess i mean i guess that's the point though i think you know there's a reason you don't see microtransactions at night in the woods <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> you know uh, unless they did do dlc in that case you know they it's more content that you want yeah yeah what is on the horizon that's exciting well now to i'm gonna you, play Brian. oxenfree on the train on oh good my, on my ios device hell yeah that might be a fun train game although it is it is a little scary so you know yeah well on the uh, plus side i'm either like barely awake on the way into work <laughs> or um barely coherent on the way out of work that so actually like might I, be the perfect time to play that game because it is yeah. kind of a lucid experience yeah it'll be very surreal which i'm looking yeah. forward to yeah absolutely for me i know uh what else is coming out well red dead is on the horizon red dead's the big one I, nothing really too much in november except isn't uh let's go pikachu and eevee out in november or is that december mm. I'm not sure. This is just like as we creep closer to the end of the year, like my smash meter is is all the way back up. Uh-huh. I I can't think of any other games that are coming out actually that I am interested in playing. Um there is the new Soul Calibur that's coming out. Oh right. Yeah, yeah you were gonna get that, right? I've been watching that whole development like a very concerned friend, being like, yeah. Oh, what's going on? Um I'm <laughs> I'm gonna get my roommate and I are gonna get it because we play one and two all the time. And like, if only the character creator is so bananas, you can make skeletons. Like, I the other game is almost an afterthought for me. There, there are a lot of things about it. That's another game that has pre-release DLC and season pass stuff like already. Yeah, Um, which like I don't really care because 
I'm probably going to spend more time in the character creator, honestly. Yeah. I'm going to make an army of goofy skeletons, to be completely honest. <laughs> um, Spooky season. But yeah, I've just been, I've just been, I, I think that um, with that game in particular, it seems like they want to go back to the series roots because like everyone after two was kind of, eh. so hopefully this one's a return to form, but I'm also like not going to be heartbroken if it isn't. And I have a, I have a very sinking feeling that it's going to be bad. <laughs> oh no. Well, um, I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. I, I, I will maybe bite my words and I'll definitely talk about it if I pick it up. Uh, Cause that's a series that I really loved way back in the day. And it's definitely in a weird place now. I don't really, there's a lot to say. Uh, I, I, again, concerned friend is the best analogy I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you check a summer, a friend from summer camps, Facebook page. And you're like, ugh, what's going on? That's how I feel. Games, video games. Yeah. Should we wrap up for real? Yeah. Let's wrap up. Uh, hey, thank you so much to everyone who listened this week. Oh, this is the end of the podcast, by the way. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we, went on, we went on a bunch of tangents. We're like, we got we to gotta get yeah. to it. Um, thank you to everyone who's followed the Twitter account. If you don't know that it exists, it's at Into the Cast on Twitter. Yeah, thanks to everyone who wrote reviews. If you like the show, uh, writing a review or telling your friends about it are easily the best ways to help us get the word out. For um, sure. It's very cool that there is a, I mean, we say it every week. It's cool. That there's a contingent of listeners that have been coming back every week. Like we have a pretty uh, consistent listener base, it seems, uh, which is wonderful. Yeah. It's really flattering. It's really nice to see. Yeah. I also, um, this is kind of weird. I want to give a shout out to another podcast that seems to be like wrapping up or maybe done forever uh, called Idle Thumbs, which I think is probably unsurprising to some of the people who listen because I've seen people tweeted us about this is, is the biggest inspiration for me as as a podcast for this one that show was was a pretty constant good force in my life for many 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 years and it seems like they are not going to make any episodes for the foreseeable future um so i just wanted to give a shout out to them for inspiring this um and uh making me very happy for a long time um yeah wow i'm getting actually emotional talking about it Aww. but uh yeah i i love that show uh i love everyone who's listening to this show thank you so much my name is brendan bigley you can find me on the internet at brendan bigley I love you too. I'm Steven Hilger. God, that sounded so insincere. I love you too. Hey, it's Scratch. I love you too. Um, I love you too. <laughs> the band. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I sincerely love you. I love you, Brendan. I'm definitely going to listen to Idle Thumbs in a bittersweet way because I want to check it out if that's the inspiration that led to this. And yeah. Thanks so much. I want a different signature than have a great week because I realized last week that we say that every time and then it got like scary last time. So yeah. what's a good well, outro I mean, that, for that us? was because I contorted it into a horrific like Kubrickian. No, nightmare. that was all that was all real. That was me. Oh, shit. That I grow extra mouths when the, <laughs> when the moon is a waning gibbous. It's not quite a <laughs> werewolf thing. It's like a in between teen angst nightmare creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also realized that for a lot of this podcast, my hand has been like this. Like my fingers are all like uh it looks like I'm going like excellent. Like Mr. Yeah, for Bur- those of you at home, uh Steven has his hands in the shape of a triangle, fingertip to fingertip. Coincidence? Bargains. Bargains. <laughs> anyway, you're awesome. Thanks for listening and see you next time. That's so much better than have a great week. See you next time. See you next time. Back in the aether. Whoa. Right?
I grow extra mouths when the moon is fading. I grow extra mouths when the light is dim. I grow extra mouths when the week is ending. Have a great week, my friends. (laughs) Oh my god. Usually I like to have a thing that plays... Like that fades out while our music fades in, but that is obviously going to play at full volume, uninterrupted. I, I don't feel responsible for that. That was an extra. That was another being. That was that was yeah. Again, for those of you listening at home, that was one of Steven's extra mouths. <laughs> Steven was doing everything in his power to prevent that from coming out. But, you know. Oh my goodness. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Extra mouths, five dollars each in the, sto- in the, in the store. <laughs> my laugh is different now too. All my extra mouths laugh. They go like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, get me out of here. <laughs> say, say. Garbage dot online.